first most obvious solution to a problem is almost always the worst way you could possibly do it. Is it morally wrong to lie to dying people? I'm not gonna stand in your way to do your thing, but don't talk to me about it. If in doubt, don't. That's kind of my philosophy. Philosophers. Philosophers. You know what, David? Thinking's pretty hard. Yeah. But is it the worth end? It? <laughs> the end. <laughs> um, maybe we should catch the the listeners up a bit. How did we get here to where we actually decided to start the episode? Well, I don't necessarily want to go back through the entire not the very beginning the entire chain. Um, so but this, basically, this... yeah, it, it a situation in which people like to come up with a quick and easy answer that doesn't actually make much sense when you put it under scrutiny, um, which is uh, when pe whenever people imagine uh, some horrific experience, like some terrible medical condition in which you suffer for a long period of time and then die, um, or anything, any, anything else like really traumatic like that, and people will just say, oh, well, if, if it's ever me in that situation, I just want to die instead. Yeah. And it's like, well, do you really, though? Um, and it's easy, it's it's one of those things that it's very easy to say in the abstract, but it's not actually true when it when it uh, comes down to it, because it's one of those future you problems. But future you uh, doesn't exist. It's always current you who has to deal with the situation. Yeah. Um, and so people don't think that situation through. And so then, you know, it can come across as like dismissive of people who are actually suffering through these things, because it's like, well, why don't they just take an easy way out. And I don't, I don't think if you, if you actually ask people, they would deny thinking that way. Um, because that's really callous, obviously like you're, you're drawing attention to how callous that line of thinking is. Sure. Um, but then yes, this, this raised the, the broader topic of why do people take these shortcuts? Um, instead of thinking things through people like to just quickly whip up a solution that sounds good. But I think like there, there's also like, a, a not an axiom axiom is not the the correct word for this but um i don't know maybe like a, a truism um of like anytime someone the, the the first most obvious solution to a problem is almost always the worst way you could possibly do it sure um and i think this is an instance of that yeah and i think that uh it is very interesting too because it's almost like we had just discussed, and I think what got us to this point is, you know, the obvious answer to this, you know, so for those of you who are, you know, don't have a lot of time, you know, you can stop right after this. The answer, by the way, to this is you can just say, I don't want to talk about it. Or I don't want to think about it. Right. Just be honest. Just because, be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Because saying if I were, if I were in a horrible situation of suffering, I would rather just die is another way of saying, I don't want to imagine myself suffering. Right. Okay. Now, for those of you who aren't convinced, um, and are now going to be forced to do the thing you apparently don't want to do, which is think about it. Um, let's go ahead and go through that example real quick. So uh, this is anecdotal, but I would encourage others to do this if you actually don't believe me and it means that much to you. There are people who have a lot more experience with, obviously, well, not the people who died, obviously, but like the people, there are people who are more familiar with the situation we had kind of outlined, someone in excruciating pain. We actually have a name. There's a profession for this, um, hospice care, mm -hmm. which is a very pleasant hospital-ish sounding name, hospitality sounding name for um, at death's waiting yeah, room. Yeah, escorting people to the grave. Yeah, basically. Yeah. One of the darkest jobs I think that there is, because um, that's what these people do. They care for those who are not long for this world, and... Most of them will tell you, or at least I, I would assume that most of them would tell you, based on my experience talking to people who have been in this profession, those people don't want to die. You know, those people may have easily been the people who, when they first got there, talked about it. Like, yeah, you know, I sometimes just wish they would just let me, you know, take the easy way out or whatever. And they joke about it because they know, especially in certain countries and in the past, that there really wasn't an option, Right. And what's interesting to see is that even as these options become more available to people, 
there's not the same uptick that you would have expected in people taking this as an option. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, try try to imagine yourself in, in their shoes, right? You're you you've you've been going through all this stuff in the hospital and now now they've decided, okay, um, there's nothing more we can do for you. We're gonna, you know, set you up with hospice. And you're kind of in that in in the first phase of of, uh, of grief for yourself, uh, denial. So you get to hospice and you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, you know, maybe maybe I can get better. Um, and so you know, and you might even make the that that comment in a lighthearted way that that you said, oh, you know, sometimes I wish I could just take the easy way out. Imagine if the hospice nurse said, well, do you want to? Yeah, we can get you up for that right now. Right, like we can do that in five minutes, like. That would be terrifying. Yeah, to actually be offered that. Yeah, <laughs> immediately. Or you may not want to seem like it's that awful because there's one other thing that people like to do. I think just about as much as not think, and that is get dared. <laughs> I don't know. Like whatever the response is to being dared, right? Like how many people have you know would say like, "Oh man, you know, I would." Or like who you tell them some story like, man, I had this coffee the other day. It was the worst coffee ever. I don't think it's that bad. Oh, really? You want to try it? Yeah, I'd try it. Fine. Let's go right now. And you know, they have zero intention of actually doing that, but mm -hmm. they, there's some reason it, it's, the, it's like the very same need to just not be wrong, you know? Yes. And uh, depending on the personality type of the person, I think that if you have seen any, if there was any upticks in the number of people who have taken that. I think there's a portion that are that where it's like, Oh, well I can't back down now. You know, <laughs> like, I can't, I can't chicken out, you know, but I have to live up to my word. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, it's terrifying. It's because you never know. And that's the other thing, but you know what? It's not good enough for, for us. Like I, there's just something satisfying about feeling like I have, I have my solution. I no longer need to think about this. In that way and and death is like the, the biggest topic where that comes about and if, if hospice care is a bit too morbid for you and you don't want to think about that um just think about end of life planning mm -hmm. how many people put off setting up a will like I, I would be interested to see if if i was a lawyer that did estate planning like that and i just offered up my services for free on a street corner and someone walks by and says so what's this all about oh hey do you want to plan your you into your estate planning right now I mean, it'll take right. us five what minutes. What would be the median age of people who actually accepted that offer? Yeah. Yeah. E even if I offered it for free, it's just going to take you right. five yeah. minutes. Right. Yeah. We're going to do this. It's not going to cost you anything. But yeah, most people still don't want to even think about that. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'll just give it all to my, my wife or whatever. Or I'll just, you know, it'll get handled. <laughs> um, but the yeah, my family can bicker over it. <laughs> yeah. My family can bicker over it. That's fine. <laughs> I hate them anyway. But, uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, how many people just don't want to do it because you're having to like think about the world without you in it, which is a, a perspective you literally can't have. That's the other thing that's tough about death. Well, yeah, it's it's also, even if you can think about that in the abstract, it's also something that's hard to care about because it literally doesn't affect you. It's just like it, it making a will, it, it, it's right there in the name. It's, you're writing down your wishes for the future that doesn't have you in it. Right. And um, I think that the people that I've talked to the most about this, who have like the most, they get it kind of answers to a lot of these things. Um, they'll say things like, you know, I'll ask them like, so what do you, you know, what's your preferred form of burial? And they're like, well, you know, I always thought that like, I thought, I always feel like, you know, just having a headstone would be nice. Like, yeah, so how do you want me? Oh, I don't care. Like the person who says something along the lines of you can just like put me in a hole it's probably the most honest person because they're like, what, what am I going to, I'm not going to feel any certain way about it. I'm not going to be around like the people I think have the best grasp of like that situation, just acknowledge the futility of trying to like seeing how they would feel about anything that would happen after they're dead. Mm -hmm. And in reality, the plan is not so much for how you're going to feel after you're dead. It's more about, it has, I think a lot more to do about how am I going to feel about other people knowing this thing or I have to think about this until that time. Mm -hmm. So what answer is going to make me okay the most with it until then? But in reality, at the time, I, I literally cannot care. Um, or people have this weird third-person omniscient view of things where they imagine... Like when you ask someone to imagine, like, imagine your funeral, where, you know, the one you're going to. They, 
I don't know about you, but I feel like a lot of people imagine it as though they're like sitting above their funeral, looking down at it and seeing it happen. And they are trying to curate it and plan it from that perspective <laughs> because that's the only, they, they know they're not going to be in the audience. Well, well, yeah, I, you're the main event. You're the um, main event, <laughs> um, but you're also dead. And so no one imagines like how many people I wonder when you say plan your funeral, but like imagine it from the perspective of you in the box. How many people would... That's creepy. That's creepy, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but have you ever like considered your own funeral? Not really. Maybe like a passing thought, but never like really contemplated it, no. Right. But in that passing thought, you almost... I, I would imagine most people would think about it from like that top-down view. Like you're planning something like on a map. I almost. think I think this is, this is a manifestation of not being able to properly imagine the world without me in it. I don't imagine it from the top-down planning perspective. I imagine being amongst the congregation. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because you do maybe have that experience of being an attendee. Because I've been at a funeral before, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's like... It's just funny to think about. I'm going to use that more. I'm going to tell somebody like, so how do you like, how would you want your funeral? And they start talking about it. I was like, yeah, but like, but imagine you're the one in the casket. Like imagine being in the casket during the funeral and all the person's going to do is have like existential dread from that point forward. So maybe that's not the best thing to do or it is the best thing to do. Like first thing in the morning. So it just ruins their whole day. It depends on like, how I feel about the person. <laughs> um, but uh, I think and and this is a separate topic that we don't need to go into really, but just a passing thought. Um, actually we may have done an episode about this. Um, I think when most people think about their own funeral, it is this weird, um, like ego driven thing of thinking about how they will be remembered by others. Yeah. Um, people want to be remembered a certain way. I don't remember if we did an episode on legacy. If we did, that's what it would have been about. Feel, yeah, that's what it would have been about. And I think I think we might have. Or it would have been a long time ago. Yeah, or it would have been like an attache on our episode of Dying is Inconvenient, which is still one of my favorite names for an episode we've ever had. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, th I think that might be a part of it. But that's, that's also a thing that like, that, that's weird to think about. Um, being... Because remember, you're only going to be satisfied about that while you're alive. Um, so it's weird. Right, you would be just as well if people told you everything you wanted to hear right before you died it, and it, then didn't care about you anymore because you, you're you not going to be around to notice. Yeah. Okay. There's an interesting moral question that I do want to Should you lie to someone who's dying and tell them all the things they want to hear? Is it morally wrong to lie to dying people? Like persons on their deathbed, you know for sure they're going to die and they have concerns. Is it okay to lie to them to make them feel better before they die? If it's just you and them? I mean, you can look at this from one of two perspectives that I can think of. One is you should lie to them to get to make their final moments as good as they possibly can be because they are their final moments. But on the other hand, you might as well just tell them the truth because they're not going to remember it after they're gone anyway. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's and give them true. the closure that they actually maybe want deep inside. Yeah, that's true. Because like, what's what are the why is lying morally bad and morally wrong, right? I think the the common we we have actually have an episode on this too, but I think if I remember correctly, a lot of the a lot of it has to do with like you're causing inconvenience, like it, it, you're causing energy to be wasted on things that are not true. It's bad. You're also it's bad for you from a selfish perspective because lies incur a cost and a debt to you where they do. You're going to have to pay for it. Also in, incur in encouraging a culture of lying is bad for you as well. It is more beneficial to live in an honest culture. Yes. However, all of those things don't matter if the person's about to die. Mm -hmm. I think there could be a whole ethical school of thought about this thing. How to treat people who are dying. Well, no, like you just use the a dying person as your moral framework where it's like, would you, would you do this to a dying person and see whether or not it helps? Because I would, I would think that the strongest moral principles would stand up even to, even in that moment where it's futile. And like you're talking to it and you're dealing and interacting with a person who is about to die. And if it stands up in that, it probably stands and holds true elsewhere. Oh, yeah. If you wouldn't even do it to a dying person, you certainly shouldn't do it to anyone else. Right. Yeah, it does. And for the inverse, it's not exactly true because it's like maybe I will arrive at the conclusion that, yeah, you can lie to a dying person to help them just be, cal be calmer for the last few moments of their life. Mm -hmm. Um 
so the inverse is not always true, right? It's like, well, you lie to a dying person, so why wouldn't you lie to a living person? <laughs> like right. that, that logic doesn't hold. But as far as a one-way, no pun intended, terminating logic, you know, maybe not a bad framework to make a point. Because um, if it's like, if it passes the lying test, you can just stop. Or sorry, if it passes the dying person test, you can just stop. There's no point in moving on. And, or you know, or maybe in this case... Yeah, and by, by passing, I mean, it's like, if you wouldn't do it to a dying person, then cool. You should just never do it ever to anyone. Next, you know, uh, I might have to think right, more like on that. Right, like torture, right? Would you torture a dying person? I don't think so. No, probably not. Because the suffering still suffering. Right. Even if they're about to die. You know, it's still bad. Right. Um, but would you lie to a dying person? I, I think that there are some people who have a moral principle framework that's like yes because i cannot to lying to me is more about like an exercise of being truthful and i don't want to even exercise falsehoods like i I could see someone making that argument for example Mm. um i could also see someone making the example of like it is always better to tell the truth because they're because it is better to give someone the truth that's the best gift that you can give somebody even when they're dying. And if it's not, if it makes them feel worse for it, that's their own fault for not having addressed it sooner, not yours for having to keep up some kind of lie or falsehood. So I, I'm not saying that this is obviously like, yeah, you would just lie to the dying person. Um, however, I do, I could imagine this person with the same logic of, well, yeah, you lie to people to make them feel better. Those people would hundred percent lie to a dying person. Well, yeah. Cause they lie to not dying people <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And, but this would be like the one case where they're like, but it's still fine when they're dying, though, because I'm not going to have to. Uh, the debt is there will paid. be no consequences, no meaningful consequences. Yeah. Yeah. No one's holding the debt um, because the, the only person who you're not going to have to maintain the facade. Right. Because they will be done. Although it does bring about an interesting circumstance where what about like if you lie to a dying person, do you tell the truth about the lie to the other living people after the person has died? Or do you deny? Probably depends on what it is. Yeah, I think it depends on what it is. And I think people do do that. And they always frame it in some way where it's like, well, I just wanted them to be, I wanted them to be calm and happy in their last few moments. Because that's like the ultimate excuse. It's like, you can do whatever you want for a dying person and use that as an excuse. And most people will probably give it a pass. Unless it's like, you know, it's like, I'm about to die, but I can't stand dying before you know, my parents. Oh, okay. <laughs> Kill <her> parents. <laughs> Go murder their parents. <laughs> yeah, probably not a great one to do. Yeah. Probably not going to help either. <laughs> probably not going to help either, but you know. Um, so yeah, so that's the first instance, but there are a lot of things where um, people, well, let's just talk about the, the core of this, which is, you know, um, thinking hard, you know, think, thinking is bad, thinking is hard. That causes problems. Um, and there are personal problems that come out from this. And there is also like societal problems. Mm-hmm. So I think the first societal issue that comes about with this is um, centralization of knowledge and thinking. Like or, knowledge is not the right thing. The centralization of thinking is a problem that occurs when people act on the thinking is hard. Um, good example of this would be things like take a really hard problem like climate change. Mm. That's a hard problem. Yes. Um, people want an answer to the problem. And that, and it doesn't matter really what the answer is, right? Because at the end of the day, they just don't want to have to think about it. But we, we lack the ability to not, just, just simply not consider something, it seems. So we have to think about it. But we want to make the thinking as short and easy as possible. Like, that's, I think, is weird about thinking. Yes. Yeah, I think I think yeah, that's especially true for big societal problems like that is that people acknowledge, okay, here we have some problem that faces us as a society and I there's not nothing that I can do personally to solve the problem. Um it's going to require lots of cooperation about something. Um and then it's also it's 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 very quick to just yeah, either you yourself come up with a quick and easy sounding solution or take the first person of apparent authority who, who comes up with a quick and easy sounding solution and just say, yeah, we should do that. And everyone who doesn't want to do that 
uh, it's just being difficult for no good reason. Um, and then we end up bickering back and forth forever and never solve the problem. Well, because we, some people want to solve it in a naive way that doesn't actually solve the problem. And other people who criticize them for that end up just getting sucked into the, into the argument and no one ever takes the real solution seriously. Yeah. And I think that the vast majority, I think there's actually two outcomes to this. Some people would be totally content to let their champion go bicker and they don't think about it. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, well, I believe this is the answer. And when someone's like, well, I don't think that's right. They'd be like, well, I listened to so-and-so. So if you've got an issue with that, you should take it up with so-and-so because I think they've thought it all the way through and they defer to authority. That's one outcome. But there's, there's also the totally other kind of person who's like, I want someone to do the thinking for me, but I still want to go out there and be a flame war veteran about it. And I think these are the worst kinds of people to deal with. The people yes. who have not actually thought about themselves, but they have they have practiced a routine of rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And whenever they encounter some kind of answer, like I actually hate... They're see, apologists. Th- exactly. That's the best word for it. Yeah, they're the worst. Because they've not actually thought about it. They haven't had to. Someone else thought about it for them. Mm. You know? So they just regurgitate arguments that they heard. Mm-hmm. And when you hit them with and a... And when you actually give them real scrutiny, they have no answer. They just get angry. Or... They just pivot to the next thing. Or if you give them valid scrutiny, but they they check the playbook and say, well, hmm, how do I respond to this scrutiny? Oh, here's the canned response to this. Say canned response person across from you says that's not a real response they look back down at the handbook and go yes it is and then show you the handbook show you the handbook yes yeah and and it's in my handbook so i know it's right and if you're saying it's not real then you're clearly ignorant about the topic and then they just right you're just closed-minded so yeah and then if you ask them to seriously think about it they don't have to you know because they're like uh they'll just let you defer to authority yeah yeah um so that's a problem but it is and it it's in a lot of ways it is and in maybe some ways it isn't so this leads to like a cultural phenomenon as well um and i don't know how like if this is all human cultures but i know it for sure is a thing in the west we love champions Mm -hmm. there is the myth of the champion which everyone in the society loves the champion because they do the thing for us and we just defer it off to them you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's the age old story of like the two armies on the hills and they're equally sized and matched and no one actually wants to go into battle and fight. And so someone, one of the people rides out and proposes in front of the opposing army that send out your strongest warrior and I'll send out mine. And then whoever wins, we can all go home. And everyone looks around and is like, that's a pretty good idea because I don't know. Have- none of us have to die except for one of these two guys. Yeah. And they're already the strongest anyway, so they have the best chance, and that guy's surely going to beat that guy, and then you can let other kind of things mm-hmm. take over from there. Like, that that's a meme. That's a cultural meme that I think has kind of been pushed forward by this attitude of thinking is hard. N- maybe not thinking is hard, but like, things that are hard, I would rather have someone else do it um, and then just defer to them, you know? I think that's where that kind of cultural meme comes from, and I think that's kind of why we see it occur like that. Um and it, and, it, and it kind of like permeates society in weird ways. So I'm going to use an example. Um, so this is a South Park episode um, where Randy Marsh says the N-word. Are you familiar with this episode? Not in great detail. Okay, so the cold open to the episode is he's on Wheel of Fortune. And he's prompted with a five-letter word. or Yeah, five-letter word. Six-letter word for people that annoy you. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, I have it, seen this scene. Yeah, and it's supposed to be a nagger, right? Yes, Someone one who nags. Who nags yes. yes, but he says... The vowels <laughs> are missing, of course. It, it, yeah. Yeah, and so he says the other word instead. And the whole episode is about him trying to get past this because he realizes it was a mistake and he just said the word because he was going to win like a million dollars or whatever. And now that he's got egg on his face and he's kind of an outcast by the community, he wants to get forgiveness. Well, here's the problem. Who are you getting forgiveness from? Who did you offend? Everybody. Right. So his first answer is to seek out Jesse Jackson because he's the emperor of black people, quote. (laughs) And if he can get Jesse Jackson's forgiveness, it's as good as getting everybody's forgiveness. Right. So there are other situations in which, yeah, I don't want to deal with all of you. It would be way easier if I could deal with one of you. And we see this happen, too, you know, in like cultural debates, you know, LGBTQ community. 
if you say something that offends someone in that community or you don't know how to, you know, who speaks for that community? Like they all have specific needs that they want and they, there's things that they commonly share, but one person is going to, Congress is not going to have every LGBTQ person. Right. How would I, how do I get the CEO of gay? You're like <laughs> <laughs> the GEO or something like that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. But but it does actually happen that way, kind of, you know, because if the Cong- if Congress holds a hearing about LGBTQ issues, they're going to bring some member of that group in front who may even say something like, I don't speak for all whatever, but you literally but you, are. You are, though. Yeah. You're yeah. the expert witness that Congress wanted to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. And they and some will probably say something to the tune of I don't speak for all, but or they'll say something like, I am currently speaking for all, blah, blah, when I say, or I think I speak for all, blah, blah, when I say. And it creates issues because it isn't always the case, but we love that because it's convenient. It's like, you it know. It certainly is more convenient than interviewing literally everybody who's affected by a possible decision. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, what do you need? And someone's like, we want the right to get married. It's like, okay, we gave you the right to be married. We have satisfied all of them. We can move on to next right. topic. Yeah, next problem, please. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, there are other tertiary issues that didn't make it to the head of the problem, the mind of the person who was. And there's the other question: How do you get to be that person? And that's another weird thing that comes about, and an issue caused by us wanting to just let someone do it for us. There's not like an election held every year for every group of people where they select the representative for, you know, group. I mm-hmm. mean, some kind of have that, but those are few and in, in between. But there's not like. There's not like the U.S. Racial Council that has like that, well, the representative from the black community would like to speak, you know, right. what I mean? like and they actually yeah, would the speak. representative. Yeah. 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 Well, the representative of the white community would like to speak like that doesn't happen. Right. Although we kind of act like it should mm-hmm. in a weird way. Um, and that's a problem because the more you abstract it, the further away from reality you get and the less people actually get catered to and taken yes. care of. Um. So that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that causes many problems. And then there's also the whole issue of like, what about the people who do want to think for themselves in that way? Right? Like you and I, I feel like, occupy a rather niche political ideology. Right? Mm-hmm. There, we overlap with different groups in certain key areas, but by and large, the holistic philosophy, there's not really a centralized spoke pers- spokesperson for that ideology. Or there is, and there's just not enough of us to matter, right? Yeah, there actually kind of was. He's dead now, though. Yeah, he dead now. Um, Someone got to pick up that mantle somehow. Um, <laughs> so what happens to those people who are like, you know what, I, I have reached my determination that I think it should be done this way, right? um for me or whatever you're just kind of sol you know mm-hmm. they it doesn't in some ways you are in some ways you aren't right um i would argue that it's always best to do the thinking for yourself it, caveat if possible sorted by priority so be practical or be pragmatic about it you know um but for people like that you know it, i guess that has its own i guess to be fair that has its own issues right like what happens when i bunch of people come to a disagreement and i think this is where people start to kind of fall down the line of thinking that there's a reason why direct democracies don't work and there's a reason why like peaceful societies without stronger forms of authoritarianism don't exist beyond a certain scale because the the maximum number of connections between you and everyone else in your society the more people there are the harder it is for you to like get your two cents in Mm -hmm. you know like even in a town of a hundred people, God, can you imagine going to a town hall meeting with a hundred people where everyone wants to get up and say their piece about something? How long that would take? It'd take all week. Take yeah. all week to make one simple decision. Like we're gonna plant a tree, but where do we plant it? And it takes a week to figure that out. I think out. it should go here. Well, I no, no, no. That that wouldn't look right. It needs to go over here next to this thing for symbolic reason, or yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and so I guess in that way, and then other people derail the meeting talking about what species of tree it should be oh my God. Um, oh my God. <laughs> because this is how this will definitely work <laughs> yeah and and to be fair i do think there is plenty of room for this doesn't i think it's also intellectually honest to just admit when you don't care and i think there's nothing wrong with saying that you don't have an opinion 
and then just checking out. I there are a few political topics that I'm I'm kind of like this about where I I can I can talk about them, but whenever someone asks me my opinion about them, I never really have a good answer. Yeah, um, like, like what? Like what's a good example? For the, you? the the one that comes readily to mind is about um, national border control. Um, I have very weak opinions about national borders. Really? Well, I, I, okay, I say that. I have, I have conflicting opinions about national borders, and so my resolution is just to not express a strong opinion, hmm. um, because I see I see logic on both sides of the argument. I'm so like, whenever someone is like, you know, what, whenever I'm around family or something like that who are pro border control, I'm like, man, we need to get the border situation under control. And it's like, I, I will just be silent the whole time because mm-hmm. I just, I just, I'm just like, I'm not going to, because I don't, I don't have skin in this argument. Um, and it's like, I could argue against you, but it's easier for me to just kind of nod <laughs> and go along with it because you're not entirely wrong either. <laughs> but is that because the issue is like very complex and you're so downstream from the implications of that, that it maybe. I think yeah, it, it could it could also be that it could also just be a matter of it's it's too it's too much to unravel it and actually go back to first principles about it, mm-hmm. um, or like there are too many practical considerations that are going to get raised in objection to to like a more open border policy or something like that, um, and it, yeah, it's just like I don't feel strongly enough about that to bother, and that's fair, and I think that there's. I do think that it is appropriate sometimes to just be that way about it. Like there are certain things I, I'm the same way. Um, I'm trying to think of one cause I don't, I literally don't consider them enough to even think about it. But like, um, like good example, my, I have a very religious family. Mm-hmm. They will argue about like religious technicalities between different sects of Christianity. Okay. I could not care less. Yeah, literally don't care. Literally I don't have an opinion about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's one where they're like, what do you think? And I'm like, I think I don't. I don't have yeah, an opinion. Yeah, I don't. Yep. I am, no, I am of no use. The only comment I could ever make on that is like logical trains of thought, which by the way, um, can be abstracted away from the actual thing you're talking about mm-hmm. to the point where it doesn't even matter anymore. Yes. And say like, hmm, well, I think you're being logically inconsistent about this and this. And then that person is being logically inconsistent about that and that. And as soon as they go, yes, but in, and then start to refer to something, I'm like, I, then I'm out. Like, I don't care anymore. Like if you have to go to a specific example in your concocted world of how things should work, I'm, that's too much investment for me because I'm never going to hold that opinion. So I don't never going to hold the opinion. And, and this, this goes back to pragmatism. What, what about my life is ever going to change? Even if we come up with an answer to this question. Right. Um, it's the, it's equivalent to how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. It's like, even if we could come up with an answer to that question, who, who cares? cares? Yeah. You know, and I think that's like the ultimate answer to like, before you even go down the rabbit hole. Why do I even want to know the answer? Yeah. Should I even think about it? Like, I think that's the thing. Cause a lot of people, I feel like that that's what's missing. I think when the original thing we were talking about is people don't even stop to think about whether or not they should have an answer. They're just more concerned with having an answer. Like it's like a given that if someone asks you a question, you have an answer. And if you haven't thought about it, it's just so much easier to in the moment, say something off the cuff, which is akin to, you know, which is a simple answer that, you don't really anticipate you're going to have to defend, but it satisfies your need to provide an answer and conclude the, you know, the verse of the argument, you know, and mm-hmm. on the downbeat, uh, or you have your prepared sh- sheet music to play the next, you know, whole stanza out, but both are fine. than just letting the note hang there and go, I don't know. And then just letting it sit there for the rest of eternity, you know, mm-hmm. It's a very colorful analogy, but um, sheet music is usually black and white, Joe. Mm. <laughs> Maybe in your world. <laughs> Maybe, in your... <laughs> Maybe it's just because the times haven't caught up yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, mm-hmm. it, 
maybe if someone gives you, you know, instead of before, if someone asks you some question, like what's your stance on the treatment of this particular type of otter in this lake? Man, I don't care. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> or, or answering with a question, like, can you explain to me how this affects me first? So that help me, help me understand why I should care, you know, like help me understand why I should even have an opinion about this first. And then if you can convince me to have an opinion, there you go. Now I will, then I will go away and actually think about it to give you the opinion that I have about it. But if I, if you can't convince me to even have an opinion or you can't even entice me to give you the time to give me a reason to have an opinion about it, then I don't care. And that's not the same as saying, you know, well, it, it literally is saying, I don't care, but how that gets interpreted might be important. Like one of the things you and I talk about that we hate about government in general mm -hmm. is that nobody elects anybody to do nothing. Everybody elects people to do something. And that's kind of a problem. And I think that that incurs a cost to every like formal government where what's we have to elect somebody and it actually isn't a choice a lot of the time whether you elect someone or not because it's not done by percentage of the population that exists it's just the percentages of the voters so even if only one person goes out there and votes or assuming both of the like say you had two options they're going to vote for themselves but then if no one but one other person cares that one person essentially gets to decide who's going to get to speak yeah, for the how rest society of gets run for the next term yeah yeah i think that's the wrong way to assume i think it would be much better as a societal default to just say nobody like all i'm of the opinion yeah, we're not going to do anything unless actually most of the people want something to be done about this yeah so and maybe if anything i think that just shows how i personally lean ever so slightly conservatively about issues because if in doubt, don't. That's kind of my philosophy. Is like I would rather not try anything new at all than just randomly try things. Because mm -hmm. those are like the, the the each end of the spectrum. Do nothing or do anything. Right. I would rather do nothing than do. Any, I would rather have people be doing nothing for me than doing anything for me. Because I'd rather not get anything than get something I definitely don't want. And that's always what happens. You know. Yeah. Whenever whenever people say we have to do something. Well, the something that ends up getting picked is that naive, most obvious solution, which is always the worst one. Right. And so, no, I'm kind of forced, held hostage to care about it because, because you literally are giving me the reason. Like, that's the ultimate reason right now that if anyone came to me and says, why do you even have an opinion about this? I'm like, because if I don't have an opinion and I don't go out there and do something about it. The people who don't know anything do have an opinion and will make my life worse. Yeah. yeah. They're going to <laughs> run me over. You know what I mean? So I would much rather live in a society where it's like, I don't have to worry about the ignoramuses of the world until they start to mobilize, which I should care anyway. Like if they can actually get a majority now I need to care. Yes. But at least. Yeah. Cause right now there's guaranteed to be a majority of the voters. Every, every election cycle, there's a guaranteed majority. As long as somebody votes. Yes. Right. So I always have to care, but I would much, much rather live in a world where it's like, Hey, are things going pretty good right now? Yep, we can't, enough of us cannot get together to decide something's a problem. So we're just not going to do anything. Cool, then I don't have to worry. But the moment that enough people get together about it and decide we need to do something, okay, now I have to pay attention, you know, but I don't have to be paying attention all the time. I can go about my business, mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like I wish that the default, I think that also may be downstream from the answer of like, well, we have to have do something or I have to have an answer. It's kind of the same thing. Well, no, you don't actually, we don't actually need someone to deal with this right now. We just don't, you know, like I understand how there are certain things where it's like, maybe it's better to have someone who's continuously in charge, but like I would be more okay in a society where you consistently elect like executives to just continue taking care of things. But if not enough people can get together to decide to vote on enough people to go be lawmakers, then cool, the law stays the same. We can move right. on. Right, we, we must have solved the problems then. Yeah. Yeah. The problems that need solving by the law have been solved. Yep, and we're just going to leave someone in charge to just continue to implement and carry out those laws until they do something that we don't like. In that case, okay, the, you know, the bumbling idiot. Okay, trying folks, to be let's get together. We have to change the law because, yeah, they've they've done something that we don't like. Yeah. 
Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think in that case, I would be okay with it. You know, um, optional Congress, optional Congress. Yeah, I'm on board with that, man. Because <laughs> that's all you really need. Like, all you need is the executive to do the things. You need the judges to go in there and tell them no. And then if, because that's what happens right now anyway. If the president of the United States, for example, tries to do something and makes an executive order, judges can just say no. Nah. <laughs> like, no, you can't do that. Yeah, right. Um, but if people really, really want him to be able to do that thing, cool. You can go elect enough people to go vote for to that. To go make it a law. And now the judges can't just say no. Yeah. Yep. Usually. Usually. Because we have hierarchies of laws because of course we do. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually a super law. Oh no. <laughs> well, I'm going to, uh, super strike it down. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like that would be so much better. And I feel like that just goes for everything. Like, if in doubt, don't. You know, I, I would much, much rather people just not, you know. Um, you don't end up making a fool of yourself. And I wish it was just so much more culturally acceptable to just let things go. Like, if like if you're the only person that cares, you do something about it. Mm -hmm. Don't make me care about your thing. Or you can try to convince me to care about your thing, but I am not obligated to listen to you or to also care. You know, um, I think we should be a lot happier as a society if we were just more honest about things. Like, I actually don't care about this. You know, and there's something also to be said about only caring about things. Like, I'm not here. I'm not one to tell other people what to do, but I, I would suggest that it's probably a better course of action to not waste your energy on things that don't actually affect you. And I know that there can be an argument and a case to be made. You know, like, let's go ahead and go into that. Because the, the opposite of this problem of, you know... Not thinking about things. Not thinking about things. Is, is over-analysis. Over-analyzing and not ever making a decision about things. So you have kind of the opposite problem. You never stop thinking about what you should do, and you never end up doing anything. I think we all know people like that. Mm -hmm. Decision paralysis. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you had decision paralysis? Most of the time when we're about to choose a topic for this show. That's a true one. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. That little too real. A little too real. Not a little too meta right now. Yeah. Um, do you remember the first time you got decision paralysis? Like, No. Okay, I do. I, I have a core memory. This, okay. This is one of my first memories, actually, I think. So I'm not one of those people that has a good memory. Um, I'm a, I am notorious for using the phrase the other day. Okay. Because I don't actually remember if it was one or, or more, more than a ago. year ago. Yeah. Like it, it's pretty bad. Okay. Like, like my wife, very loose definition of the oh, other day. It's, it's super loose. Like my wife knows when I say the other day, this could mean just any time in the past, literally what it means at some point, you know, any day that's not today. Exactly. <laughs> Like, I'll say something like, you remember the other day when we were, like, visiting this place? She's like, that was two years ago. I'm like, yeah, it was another, it was some other day that we did that, yeah, right? the other day. Not today, but the other one. <laughs> the other day. <laughs> uh, and she still will say things, like, she'll still cut me off and be like, you realize how, like, egregiously off your memory is? I'm like, yeah, no, I understand. But here's the point. It, it happened. It's not happening. But do you remember the time? Yes. <laughs> um, I remember, um, so I was, like, five or six so this is right around the time people start having memories or i started having memories that i can now recollect to this day to some degrees of accuracy um when i was five or six it was the summertime um i would go stay with my grandparents uh on the weekends sometimes or just random days throughout the week because at this point in time my grandfather had retired my grandmother was still working so I could go stay with them even during the summer and like I would stay the night with them. We'd hang out. Uh, I'd have breakfast with them the next morning. She'd go to work and then he'd bring me home. Like that was just a thing that happened every now and again. I really enjoyed doing that. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget one time they, we was a normal affair. We did that. I went down there, you know, ate my Eggo waffles in the morning. Cause that was like the best and got to watch actual cartoons. Cause they actually had cable um, before going home and not having access to those things. <laughs> uh, and I came home the next day. And uh, as soon as I got home, uh, my family was talking about how I, they're like, oh man, there was a snake in the driveway. I was like, a snake? And they're like, yeah, like a real one? I was like, yeah, like a real one's a huge snake. And I, hindsight's twenty twenty. 2020, they were messing with me. But the point was, is that I was like, oh no, I missed out. 
on that. So the FOMO, that was my also my first experience mm-hmm. with fear of missing out. So the next time my grandparents came up to visit, they were like, do you want to go stay at our house? So you had to decide I, the, whether you wanted to go or... Yes, and I remember... And risk missing the next snake in the... <laughs> and I distinctly remember thinking to myself, like having an internal verbalized conversation with myself something to the effect of what if it happens again literally it's like okay okay if i go and i and i was essentially as a five or six year old trying to figure out literally solving the conundrum of how can i be in both places at once Mm -hmm. and being like okay so what if i were to go with them right and then if there was a snake i could just come see it and then when the snake thing is over, I'd be back there. And I was like, but I can't. Like, I was actually trying to work out the logistics in my head as a five-year-old. But they're never going to bring me back here just so I can see that. Yeah. No, not even that. Like, I was, dude, I'm a stupid five-year-old. Okay. I was just like, how can I ensure that I'm not going to miss anything? And I remember, like, yeah, talking you're to. Not. It, uh, yeah, and I was remember talking to my dad, like, okay, but, like, if you see something, can you, like, let me know? Like, and in my head, I was like, is there like remember i'm a five i'm stupid right i'm I'm trying to figure out how to cross this distance to to be there for it and i distinctly remember thinking if i go i'll have a good time but i might miss out on something and if i stay here i will never miss out on anything but then i don't get the things that i get and having to like do the mental calculus of of the the I, i know i'm gonna have a good time over here but versus the versus time. the smaller chance that I could have an even more exciting time over here. A really cool time, yeah. Right. But and most likely I'll just be bored. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> they asked me that at like 5 p.m. around dinner, and I I I sat in a chair and thought about it for three hours. As a five-year-old. Like five-year-olds don't sit still for that long. And they were actually concerned I was getting sick because I was I just sat there and was like thinking about it. And it was the same thing the whole time. It's like very similar to when people are like trying to solve the conundrum of, hmm, I have poisoned one of these drinks and you can pick which one that you want to take and mm-hmm. I'll take the other. And they're like, hmm. And you're doing the reverse psychology loop. Yeah, it's like, hmm, well, you knew I would well, they wouldn't this off- one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, even better if they get uh, offered with one in front and one in rear. So that's like, hmm, okay. You're offering me this one. This means you obviously poisoned the one that you're handing to me. But you also know that I'm going to think of that. So you poisoned your own drink. So I should. But then you thought that I would think of that. And then the infinite loop of either one of these could be poisoned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> me, five, that for three hours. Like, And uh, I ended up staying home. And guess what? There was not inside. a snake. Nope. And that's how I determined that this was stupid. That was I'm a go- stupid idea. You should have gone to your grandparents' house. I'm always going for the sure thing from here on out. Yep. That's how, that's That was a core moment for me and my personality and deciding who I was going to be as a human being. Um, I'm going to take the sure thing all every time. Um, unless, the oppor- unless the other option is nothing. Right. Like if, if my choice is stay here and do nothing versus something might happen, I'm always going to choose the other thing. Or if the choice is go for a certain good time or I can maybe have a really good time, I'm always going to go for the certain good time. That's mm-hmm. just me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that's not great. There's no way to live your life. Um, <laughs> you kind of have to be able to just make decisions and move along. Um, and I think part of part of the philosophy of like only caring about, like how I think this all balances out is you can... If you, if you are being picky about the things you're even going to give your consideration to, it buys you more time to think more about the things that you do care about. Um, and I think that it's worth, and I think one of the best things that can happen and why community and having a society is a good thing or having, having people interact to interact with is such a good thing. It's up to you to convince other people that something is worth their attention it's up to them to convince you something is worth your attention. And until one of you does that, you consider the things you already know are most important. Like let other people be the ones bringing things up. And that's not to say that you can't have your own experience and then it you decide of your own accord that this is something worth thinking about. But by and large, you know, there are like, there are way more people on this planet than you'll ever meet, than you'll ever meet, right? Mm-hmm. And each of them have lived lives where they've had just as many experiences of you that you've never had right Mm -hmm. and that's one of the fun things about interacting with people that can be good is 
you know, that person has, if you meet someone of the same age, they have just as many experiences as you. They may have come to a different determination about something that they think is really important. And I think that's why when we talk to people, we, we are so interested in figuring out what they like and what they find is important. Although we don't say it. I wish it was a little bit more direct. Like, I, I wish it was common for when you meet a new person to be like, hi, I'm name, your other name, you know, so what's really important to you? Mm-hmm. I, that's a weird question, I think, to ask somebody. Like, it's not a question you may hit very often, but I feel like that would be like the best question if you're trying to make the most of that exchange. And don't get me wrong, there are probably going to be a lot of times where it's like, yeah, well, I also think that's important. Okay, good. We can move on to the next topic. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, uh, it, when you hit the first thing where you disagree, that's a that's a potentially very valuable moment because you're about to hear something that was important enough that this person has probably clearly thought about it and can actually talk about it um, and then try to convince you that it's worth your attention. And they don't do that by saying like, oh, here's why you should think about X, Y, Z, or you should think about X because Y and Z. They'll usually just start talking about X. And if, if it piques your interest enough for you just let them keep talking about it and then probing them with questions, then you know it's a good topic and you probably do want to think about it a little bit more. You know, um, but if you don't really care about that, I think the best thing you can do is just be honest and say, hmm, oh, okay, that's interesting. Well, don't say that. That's, just, that's actually dishonest. But like, you know, don't, I think the politeness of a conversation of like letting someone entertain something that they like to talk about to you that's not genuinely interesting to you is actually kind of like a, kind of a bad way to mm-hmm. build a good relationship with people. Like the best people in your life will be people that will just tell you straight up when they don't care what you're talking about. Um, right. And, and guess what? Even if they do do that, it's still exciting sometimes. Like there are things that you care about that I don't. And there are things that I care about that you don't. It is sometimes more fun to hear you try to get me to care about it. And actually, sometimes I do care about it. Like that's a more exciting experience than, hmm, that's an interesting thing. Tell me more about it. But I actually don't care. And then let you explain it, explain it, And then I never bring it up again. Right. That's just boring. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, let me put this in the <clears> folder of, topics not to bring up around david or he's going to just talk my ear off about it which never happens by the way but i imagine you probably have a file of things not to bring up around me because i actually won't ever shut up about it and i don't blame you but um (laughs) you know i don't know (laughs) but it keeps you from having to do all the overthinking yourself like you can actually just take the take the notes of people who have already done a lot of thinking about something and start with pick up where they left off Mm -hmm. um it's not always that simple, but I think in general, it's a better way to handle things. So, um, hmm. I guess before we end up, because we got a little bit of time left, are there any topics that people seemingly try to get you to care about a lot that you just cannot be bothered to care about? So that way I can write them down and never suggest them as a topic <laughs> for an episode. <laughs> I don't, I don't think there are many like common topics that people bring up that I just don't care about. Well, Okay. One, although, okay, I can think of a couple topics that don't really matter. That, like, truly in the grand scheme of things don't matter, in my opinion. Um, which is, like, popular media. Um, yep. Movies, TV shows, um, sports. Uh, which doesn't really, sports is not media, but it fills a similar role for most people. Um, so, yeah, th- things things like that the goings on of these things. I just can't be bothered. Um, there, there are very, very few of those that I could ever get interested in. Um, let's see. Um, people's experiences with, and like opinions about various drugs. Mm, Yeah. People can be very obnoxious about that. Um, it, and I'm especially thinking of the type of person who like turns it into their whole personality. Stoners. I'm just going to say it. Stoners. There are others. Stoners are the most common. Stoners or insert heads. You know what I mean? Yeah. Blank heads. Yeah. <laughs> which is, which is an unintentional double entendre. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think th- th- those are the ones coming to mind that, yeah, people, people bring up and I'm just like, I could not care less. Do your thing. Like, I'm not going to stand in your way to do your thing, but don't talk to me about it. I 
can't relate to this and I don't really want to. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I think, yeah, I was going to say things that are in vogue, I don't care. Like mm-hmm. popularity is a topic that gets discussed a whole lot that I do, I could care less about. I couldn't care less about, um, I should say. Um, because by the nature of the cyclical game of popularity, it, you know, it's a never ending thing for you to keep up with. And it probably doesn't mean anything. Right. And it may actually even have an impact on my life at some point. Maybe, 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 but like ultimately of all the other things that have an equal or greater impact, I, I would have more to think about than I ever have time for. And then the other one to me is over optimizers like in general. Mm -hmm. And this is an interesting one, but like people who talk to me about like their routines, like, okay, I I don't know. Like, you know know what I'm talking about? Like people that are like, all right, so I get up at five in the morning and this, and then I brush my teeth and then I read a chapter of a book and then I, like people who love to talk about their routines a lot and how this is the people who like to take things that are almost entirely subjective and make them objective. I could not care less about a lot of the time. And this is, and this is interesting because there's a parallel to this that I do care about. So there are people that like to talk about why certain things are very beneficial and other things aren't, but because a lot of them rely so much on subjectivity like, and maybe that's a better category or way to t- say it. People who like to argue which subjective things are better or worse, which can also be the same thing about media consumption. Um, I, yeah, it, it's annoying. Like, I don't, I don't care how you, you know, you do. Um, and I guess also by and large people who make it very, people who it's very important to them to make sure I know something about them that is purely a preference that they're not willing to change. Like, unless it's annoying to me, which I would bring it up or I would just stop being around you. Like people who feel like they need to announce to everybody that they know certain preferences that they have, like before you even really get to know them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And there's a couple things like that, you know, like there are some people who are like, Oh, I'm so-and-so. Um, these are the types of people I'm attracted to. Plus, here's uh, I hate these kinds of movies. It's like literally didn't ask. Didn't yeah. ask. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, and and or and or maybe just like people who want to treat everybody like a potential friend. Mm. I guess maybe that's getting really to the core of what it is. Like, for example, I have neighbors like most people do. And you know Uh, what? They're great neighbors. Because they don't talk to you. And they leave me alone. Yeah. And that's what makes them such great neighbors. I also have great neighbors like that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I have talked to my neighbors, but only about things that matter. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know what? That's, that's, we need to do that as a topic sometime. Appropriate boundaries. Neighbor etiquette. No, just Just boundaries boundaries in general. general. Because I feel like that's something that has gotten all out of whack especially given like the internet which has caused a major disruption in boundaries because like you're proverbially welcoming strangers into your home via your computer Mm -hmm. or your phone so yeah maybe that's something we could cover at some time but speaking of that before this is lost um one one other like domain of people like that don't want to think through things for themselves returning to the topic um that maybe would make its own, uh, make a good topic for its own episode of Proverbs. Oh my Lord. <laughs> that deserves to be its own topic. <laughs> I'm adding it to Add the stack. Add it to the stack. <laughs> Woo. Woo, buddy. There's some homework around that one. <laughs> there are, yes. Not going to be hard. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to let that go before we accidentally just do another Before episode. we just do the topic, yeah. So until next time, philosophers. Philosophers. If you like the music in this episode, please check out Jippy on Bandcamp at jippy.bandcamp.com. 
Philosophers is supported by viewers like you. If there's a topic you'd like us to discuss, or a topic you'd like to see revisited in the future, please let us know by contacting us using the methods in the description, or in the comments below. Thank you for listening.